Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Stephen Berard. Stephen is head of mobile development at Event Farm, an experiential and event marketing platform. And he's also one of the main session leaders at SwiftCoders.org. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thanks for having me, Garrick. My pleasure. How's it going? Outstanding. It's a beautiful day. Outstanding. I love that. It is a beautiful day. I technically have not been outside yet, but I looked out the window and it looked really nice. I mean, we still have the marine layer coming in here in Santa Monica, but uh, otherwise, I mean, it's just gorgeous outside. Yeah. Oh, sunny. Oh, yeah. So we both live in California. Um, Steven is one of the main session leaders um, at, you know, Swift Coders. So we have like Swift Coders LA here in Los Angeles. We also have Learn Swift LA. And um, Steven, we, yeah, Steven and I met at Cocoa Heads like, I don't know, a year ago or something uh, like that. Yeah, it was like in May of last year. Yeah, wow. So almost a year. Yeah. And uh, I think you had just moved here maybe <laughs> i did <laughs> yeah and you were like i'm you know i want to get into this scene and i'm like i have a meetup and you're well, like I'm well I, I have something to confess with that okay, okay. Uh, we were hunting for a meetup nice. so yeah i just started with event farm in january well uh, december and uh i think in february ryan the ceo and i got together and we're like we want a meetup you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I want, I want a programming meetup. I want to do iOS and and maybe even Android too. And so I <laughs> started going to meetups to hunt. The first meetup I went to was Coco Heads, and that's where I met you. So why did you guys want to meet up? Like, what did that mean to you, and why? Um, well, we're we're a startup, and so we know that. I mean, we don't have a lot of people to learn from within our company, and so we wanted to bring the network to us. Uh, you know, just get get the the knowledge you know workers out there, like the the people who are who know about this stuff. Get them to us, and uh, you know, get them in one room. Get them to know that Event Farm is a thing, and that yeah, maybe it's a cool place to work. And uh, you know, get that network going instead of always trying to reach out and find new people elsewhere. Yeah, awesome. Well, I have to say, you guys are really smart. That's a really good idea. Um, it's true. You know, it's like. And you have the space, so it's like a community service you're providing, and like, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's like you're making your space available, and people need that. And now we're have this like really cool symbiotic relationship. For a while there, uh, when I started at Farmers, I was very busy, and I uh, had less time to dedicate to doing the meetup. I was doing the meetup every Wednesday. I was finding a place, organizing the meetup, going there, teaching people. And when I got hired at, at Farmers, like I had less energy for that. And that was right around the time that Steven and I met. And Steven just went at it full steam ahead and did at least one meetup at Event Farm every month um, uh, until this day now, so almost a year. And then you started doing um, like the last, so the first Wednesday of the month and the last Wednesday month at General Assembly. So all that to say, like you really stepped it up and helped take the meetup to the next level. I mean, now we have like 10 session leaders, people are getting hired, um, you know, uh, people are like, I don't know, it's just like, and now we have this peer lab that Ragab started on Saturdays, like, huh, it's just really amazing. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we actually hired one of the session leaders. Uh, you mentioned him already, <laughs> Raghav. Uh, yeah, we, we grabbed him from the meetup, and uh, you know, he's, he's one of our new hires at Event Farm, and he's, he's just kicking butt. Yeah. yeah, so I want to spend a lot of time actually talking about like our experience working together, your experience at the meetup and all that stuff. Um, but so, but before we do, I, I kind of just wanted to mention like how, you know, how, you know, how we met, like why you're on today. Like I really wanted you on because like one, you're awesome. Two, you're a developer. And three, like you, and three, you're in L.A., right? I want to start featuring more people in L.A. That's how we, we got started was it was all L.A. people. Um, and, and for like you're a session leader and I want to I want this energy to get out there because I want more people to to have that kind of similar energy and create meetups and join meetups and um, like teach people. Um, so, yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on. And also just like if if it's any consolation, kind of like a give back to you to say thank you, like, hey, come on my show and like, yeah, just let's talk. Well, this is particularly fun. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. Uh, I bought the mic just to do this podcast, and you know, <laughs> ho- hopefully, because I get this really cool mic in front of me, that now I'll, I'll use it to uh, to talk more to uh, people uh, on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, or maybe you'll have your own uh, uh, Swift Coders podcast show. Like, uh, yeah. I don't know, we'll do like. Tuesdays with Steven. Yeah, yeah. We'll just do my thoughts, you know, while I'm lying in bed, just, you know, (laughs) (laughs) holding my dog. Oh, man. Okay, cool. So, yeah, Steven is working at Event Farm, head of mobile development. You started there as an iOS developer, correct? Correct. Or did you, was that always the plan for you to do Android and iOS or? Well, prior to working for Event Farm, I was doing Android full time. Uh, Oh, wow. But in my spare time, I was doing iOS with my own company. So I got hired on to be the iOS guy. Oh. But they also knew that I had this Android experience, so I could pick that, you know, pick up Slack if, if need be. And that Slack eventually happened when we, we no longer had Android developers uh, halfway through the year. So, wow. Yeah. So are you, okay, so you're head of mobile development at Event Farm. You're also one of the main session leaders at, at Learn Swift. Um, so tell us about your work um, at, at Event Farm? Like, are you still coding full-time or are you more like managing or? I'm more like a, a lead developer um, with uh, some, you know, my hands in management as well. Uh, we have a team of three for our mobile team. I've got uh, Gevik on Android full-time, Raghav on iOS full-time, and I bounce between the two. Um, I, I like to think of myself as either the architecture guy or the guy who solves the particularly hard problems. Um, but I, I like to draw a lot of diagrams and make sure that the the app makes sense <laughs> before wow. we get too deep into it. Wow, wow, that's awesome. So yeah, you have like uh, you get to make some really fun decisions and hard decisions too, but fun ones. Correct, correct. That's awesome. Okay, so let's go back to the beginning. Tell me about or tell us about the the earliest memory of programming. Uh, I gave a lot of thought to this because, uh, <laughs> I, like I said, I listened to your podcast <laughs> and uh, this one in particular. And uh, I, this is a tar- this is a hard question because I didn't do any formal programming. I think until college, um, but I do remember when I was a kid, uh, there was this thing called Logo. Uh, did okay, you ever hear I, of this? Yeah, I've heard. I think a few um, guests have mentioned this before. Yeah. Is this like? Um, you could program it to move it was like yeah. Tur- turtle turtle drawing and uh, I remember it was like uh, grade school we'd get time in our computer lab 
And uh, what we got was you know, these old Macs, uh, probably a Mac 2 or something, uh, green, you know, like the green and, or black screen with, you know, just the green uh, LEDs on it. Or right, like MS-DOS or something? Uh, no, it was their Macs. They were, they were Apple computers. Oh. Uh, and they could do nothing but this little, like, very few things. And I just remember as a kid, I, I didn't understand what a program was. But I understood that there was this thing that they would start up before we got to computer lab, and I could tell it to go forward, you know, so many pixels, and I could tell it to turn 90 degrees and, and then go forward another so many pixels and do that, and I could make a square. Or, you know, I could have it do things over and over again and make a kaleidoscope-looking thing. Uh, so What grade I, was that? I, that must have been... Let's see. Was it was, like high school or was no, it? No, no, no. This what? is grade school. This was okay, like okay, third, grade third okay. grade or fourth grade or something. So I, I can't believe I understood what an angle was back then. Uh, <laughs> but apparently I did. <laughs> I don't remember logo. I don't remember this turtle. So we didn't have it at our school, I guess. I, I, I went to a private school. Uh, so it's possible that that's the reason. I don't know. But I also remember uh, learning to type on those computers. So... My experience with typing was like Mario, I think. Like uh, you had to type the right letter in order yep. for Mario to jump or hit the mushroom or something like that. Yeah, I had that game too. Also, Mavis Beacon teaches typing. Remember that one? I don't remember that one. Oh, I just man. remember Oregon Trail and Mario. That's I just I just found out uh, the other day that Mavis Beacon was not actually Mavis Beacon. Uh, blew my mind away. Uh, like, Mavis Beacon. Mavis Beacon teaches typing. A very famous typing program way back in the day. It was a suite of programs, actually. And they always had the same uh, picture of a woman on the box. And so everybody thought, that's that's Mavis. That's Mavis Beacon. She's teaching me to type. Turns out it was like some model <laughs> they, they got a picture of. And they made up the name Mavis Beacon. <laughs> okay, so you remember you have these early memories, like in grade school, of kind of doing some computer-related stuff, maybe yep. kind of programming with this yep. logo turtle. Yep. Um, do you? Is there anything in between? Because you said you studied some programming in college. In college, yes. Okay, so do you remember anything in between? I was thinking, I, I, I mainly is like I, I got into video games, and there was always the thought that oh, I would do. Uh, I would do something. I love Legos and I love video games. So it was like, oh, he's he's going to be an engineer when he gets older. Oh, interesting. Uh, you yeah. remember like your family saying that? Yeah, yeah. And Did your family do anything computer related? Mom, dad, grandpa? Uh, yeah, my my dad was an electrical engineer by trade. And oh, my, perfect. Yeah, exactly. So it was always kind of in people's minds. And then my mom's a math teacher. So oh. uh, yeah, it was like, in, oh yeah, he's, he's going to do something related to STEM <laughs> in some way. Uh, but it's interesting to know that you know you studied you mostly started you know studying computers in college you know and, and now you know because like a lot of people I interview they've like I've been programming since I was five you know yeah. and like that's kind of intimidating for people um, myself included who pro started programming late in our you know in our lives um, but to, yeah, to know yeah. that you only started in college and you know now you're the head of a of an awesome startup, um, you know, head of Mobile, of an awesome startup. That's like really encouraging. Yeah, and I, I was bad at it when I started. Uh, I failed. <laughs> I failed my first programming class. Uh, so you know, yeah, you don't have to to be like, yeah, you don't, have, you don't have to start from age five and learn to program. Like you can pick this up later. Um, it's just you know, it, it's it's just the way your mind works. If you like solving problems, if you like puzzles. Uh, if you like playing with Legos, guess what? You're probably a programmer. Uh, you just haven't tried it yet. What I hear a lot of is that 
um, the programming that people learned in college or high school, like it really wasn't even that interesting, especially if they were already learning it outside of school. And uh, was that the case for you or do you remember being really interested in, in college uh, programming? I remember, so like my first pro, like official programming class was C and uh, I, well, I was a really bad student back then, uh, <laughs> so I didn't pay attention to class anyways. Uh, but even then, it, what, you're right, it wasn't very interesting. It was like, you know, uh, print this to the screen, uh, solve math equations, uh, no graphics, nothing to get me excited about it at all. Uh, but I, I also remember uh, I had an internship at Edwards Air Force Base, and um, I remember that one of the guys there taught me Perl. Oh. Yeah, it's like I was doing, I was telling him, like, oh, I was doing C, but I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I passed it the second time through, but uh, it's, eh. and he's like, oh, yeah, you should check out this. It's a lot easier. And you can like manipulate strings and stuff. It's really easy. And um, so that was like part of my, that task that summer was to do this Perl program. And I remember getting lost in it like days at a time would be gone. Like I would just be <laughs> so focused on working on this program. So I, I knew at that point that I loved to program, but it still didn't have the magic until later. Is Perl mostly used for like backend stuff or scripting or? Uh, it's mainly a web language. Oh, okay. um, yeah, so you would use it in conjunction with uh, your, your JavaScript, uh, yeah. I think I remember Dave Abrams recently mentioning Perl related to like the strings, the Swift strings manifesto. Okay. I guess like the way Perl handles strings is like really, really well done. Or something yes, like that. yes, that's that's the one thing that that Perl does extremely well is string manipulation. Okay, so you have this internship at Edwards Air Force Base, and that really kind of gets you going, it sounds like. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize how much I learned there, too, because I, I did MATLAB. I don't know if you've heard of MATLAB. No. Uh, stands for Matrix Laboratory. It's a very uh, scientific programming language. Okay. And, and there's a whole IDE that comes with it as well. And uh, we would do that a lot at Edwards. I didn't realize it was programming until later. Uh, and I remember doing a lot of graph manipulations and whatnot in MATLAB and statistics. And uh, I, I didn't realize I was learning programming while I was doing that. So then at the time when you were learning this stuff, what were you thinking? Were you just having fun or were you thinking like, I'm going to be a programmer? I was thinking of girls and partying. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking of programming much at all. It was like, this is what I did for a summer job. Like, this is what everybody does, right? Like, and so I would just try. I actually thought that my summers and winters where I would uh, spend time at Edwards that, uh, this was the school, like, I, since it was a 40-hour work week, and then when I got to school, I, I didn't necessarily have to go to class, and, you know, I could party afterwards on the weekends, all my friends were there. That was really the summer break, which is nice. really the worst way to think of these things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what school were you going to? What university were you at? That was uh, CSU Fresno. Oh, cool. Wait, you're, so you're from California? I thought you were from yeah. back east or something. Now, uh, I grew up in Lancaster and Palmdale, uh, went to Fresno State for three years, uh, ended up uh, going out to, to Wichita, Kansas, going to Wichita State for a year and a half, and then 
ended up down in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico at uh, NMSU, and that's where I finished up my degrees. Oh, okay. I was born in Northern California in Stanislaus County in oh. Modesto. My parents both went to Stanislaus, Stanislaus. Oh, wow. Yeah, we have family like in Fresno. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I actually lived in uh, like Castaic, Valencia, so kind of in Antelope Valley area. You know, That's awesome. Lancaster and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so did you end up graduating with like a degree in computer science from New Mexico? Um, so when I ended up in New Mexico, I, uh, let's see, in Wichita, I was learning, I, I ended up being a car salesman for a while. No uh, way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I really changed gears when I got to, to, to Wichita, and I almost I actually did drop out of school for a brief amount of time. It was halfway through a semester, and I thought, I don't want to do any of this computer stuff anymore. I just want to talk to people. I'm tired of being in front of a wow. screen. I know, really crazy. And um, I wanted to improve my ability to talk to people and sales skills. And Interesting. And so I went to uh, the nearest car dealership and said, hey, I want a job. And uh, they gave me a job. They did, gave me some sales training. And uh, that was, I would say, the hardest job I have ever done in my entire life. Uh, selling cars is uh, everybody hates you. Oh. The, the people who walk in the door hate you. Your manager hates you. And uh, your, your goal is, and your, your fellow salesman hate you because you're taking deals away from them. And so you have to try to work with the customer to you know raise their expectation of pricing. And then the manager raise, lower their expectation of pricing to come to a price in the middle so you actually get a deal done. Otherwise, you don't eat because that's your only income. <laughs> Yeah, I did sales for a little while, and uh, I re- quickly realized, although I was good at it, I uh, I wanted to do something else. So, when you were in that, like that moment, that time when you were deciding, like I've spent all this time going to school to do this programming thing, I um, now I'm gonna switch it up and do something else. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind? Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, and like. How did you make that really important decision? And who, like, who was around you? What were they telling you? What did you tell them? So I, I think it was more of like technology fatigue. Um, I was working for I had another internship at Aero, Aeroflex there in in Wichita, and like I said, it was just every day in front of a screen debugging software, and it was grueling and boring and you know, nothing exciting at all and I, I remember it was back when they were trying to save energy and so like there was like half the lights in the ceiling were missing the, the bulbs so it was like this dreary landscape of oh, no. cubes and it was just like the worst like you read in like Dilbert like it was it was that times like 10 and so it was just like I was just fatigued and uh I needed to do something else and sales was lively. It was exciting. It had people. And so it's like, I, I needed to, to get out and, uh, yeah, that's, that's what drove me to, to make that decision was, uh, to, you know, plus people are interesting. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll get back to computers cause that's eventually how my life got there. But, um, you know, computers are interesting because there's all this network and this all these interesting problems, but people are the most complicated computers out there. And so, you know, that's why uh, I'm really not afraid of management because, 
you know, management, you're solving insanely complex problems. You know, you've got, you know, think, think about uh, interfaces and, and APIs and stuff like that. Well, we have an API and it's, it's the spoken word. And you're, you're, you have this interface where you've got your, your mouth that you're talking and ears that people hear and body language. So eyes are in play. And it's just like, oh, it's, it's the most interesting problems uh, communicating with people and uh, their lives. So, uh, that I wanted to get into that. I wanted to learn those problems and do and you work feel on like your work as a salesman like really prepared you, or, or you learned a lot in terms of you know communicating with humans better? I think so. Uh, you know, that's you, you learn to listen to people better. Uh, that's that's something that uh, is a very difficult skill that they don't teach in school, really. They, they right, teach- and when you know, as programmers, like we really get into what we're doing we get into a flow and mm-hmm. when we are disturbed it's very um jarring you know and it, it and like i find myself getting very annoyed when people kind of break my flow yeah um yeah. and you know and as programmers we're on a team we're dealing with people that's that's one of my goals for you know this year is to like be more collaborative um okay so you 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 stop working as a programmer or you kind of switch gears you go into sales um, you eventually get into programming, back into programming, right? How, how long oh, were you in oh, sales and like when yeah. did you get back into programming? Yeah, so I ended up uh, deciding, or I met uh, one of my clients uh, when I was selling vehicles. Uh, he was a financial advisor and I was, you know, telling him how I was discouraged with school and he listened to me and he, he's like, well, but you know what, you need to get a degree, you know, just, just get something. Cause like, I kept asking him like, how do I get to have your job? Cause he had uh, like multiple houses and you know, really cool vehicles and stuff. So I was like, how do I get to do what you do? <laughs> and, and he's like, just get a degree. So I ended up going back to school and just going back to school for business. And I ended up at New Mexico state and got my degree in finance. Wow. And, yep. And so I decided I was going to be an insurance agent because that's I've always wanted to own my own business. And so like this is the easiest way to get my own business and and go from there. So I ended up actually selling insurance for a while. Wow. Okay. so how long are you selling insurance um, before you start getting into programming again? Um, That was back. It was right at the economic collapse time. So like 2007, 2008. Yeah. And so. People, A, were like very distrustive of any financial service, uh, insurance included, even though it was required by law. Uh, and I, had a, I have a really young looking face. <laughs> and it turns out that people don't like to uh, trust young people with their money. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that got really difficult. So I only lasted in that for about six months. Uh, but one of my good friends in the area owned a restaurant and I used to work for him. And, and while I was going to school, I, I, was, I served tables. And, wow. uh, and so he offered me a management position there. And so I ended up being a restaurant manager for a year and a half. Okay, so you're, you're working as a restaurant manager for a year and a half. Then, and then, then like, I'm, I'm I know. trying to get to the program part, but you keep having these like, other jobs. Like, it's amazing. Okay, so what's next? What's I, next? Tell trust me. me, it does lead to programming at one point. I swear, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so... Uh, while I was a, a restaurant manager, uh, I very slowly got back into technology. And uh, I remember at one point, um, there was I was given the responsibility to make the schedules for all the back of the house staff. 
Okay, programming comes in. I can feel it. Yep. There's an algorithm in here. Yep. Okay. Uh, you you'd be very surprised what it was. It was Excel. Amazingly. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excel's great. Yeah, amazingly, Excel is somewhat of a programming language. Who'd have yeah, thought it? it? Is. Yeah. Uh, but we did a lot of Excel in finance classes, so I, I do Excel pretty well. And I used Excel to make this really elaborate spreadsheet for when I put people's times in the, the time slots, it would calculate roughly how many their out how many their hours were be, would be so I could try to get it around 40 hours a week and so nobody got overtime but I got my best people at the right times wow awesome yeah so that kind of got the bug going a little bit again uh, and I am leaving that job and going to be the purchasing manager for a building supply company and okay. the building supply company especially in New Mexico you know, southern New Mexico is not very technologically inclined and they needed somebody who was a little tech savvy to, to, to manage their servers and whatnot. And so they put that as my title. It's like, you're going to be the purchasing manager and it, you know, what was it, technology specialist or something like that. Okay. And so it was like, it was part of my job to like sort of understand their tech. And uh, so. And get them to be more tech like oriented and, or, or, you know solve their problems with technology yeah the, the second one mainly it's like i wasn't supposed to be pushing them forward but if something broke i was supposed to fix it yeah okay <laughs> and and while i was doing that i found that like i had more fun like debugging their software and like fixing their problems that i was like wait, wait, wait a minute wait 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 i i abandoned my engineering degree like i i did it for three years and i stopped like why you know, now I, and I chose to go this way, but I am having far more fun doing the tech stuff, the engineering, the solving problem stuff than, you know, than uh, doing the sales stuff that I thought I would enjoy more. What, what gives? Yeah, what gives? Yeah. So eventually I was like, I, I need to go back. And I remember going back onto NMSU's campus and talking to uh, the electrical engineering uh, dean at the time and asking, I was like, hey, I... I got a finance degree. I almost got an engineering degree in the past. Can I go back and like finish my engineering degree? And uh, this was Dr. Firth. So if he ever listens to this, thank you, Dr. Firth. Uh, he put uh, two papers in front of me. He said, uh, this is one paper is like, this is what it'll take for you to finish your bachelor's degree. And he put another paper in front that said, this is what it's going to take to finish your master's degree. If you line these up, they're both about the same. You should do the master's. Wow. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and uh, so the, the next semester, I, I ended up going back and, uh, and uh, you know, working towards my master's in electrical engineering. And uh, I, I remember having to steal myself for it to say, like, this is going to be the hardest thing I ever do, but I'm going to do it anyway, so I'm going to be thankful for it. And uh, I was absolutely right. It was one of the hardest things I ever did. And uh, after a while, I loved it. What do you think the difference was between the dreary, you know, Dilbert thing and you're doing, you're solving these technological problems or you're solving problems in a technological way or software related mm -hmm. way, you know, years later for this, uh, purchase, you know, this purchasing company, I guess, this builder supply company. Yeah, build like, supply. What do you, yeah, build supply. What's the difference? Like, why are you, is it dreary in one, but exciting in the other? What, what do you think that is? I came to the conclusion that not everyone can be an engineer. You know, that's, you know, that's Can sounds or should little, or? Uh, well, I would say that not everybody can. Like, it's, it takes a certain set of skills. It takes a certain level of maturity to be able to do that. And 
at the time I realized I had the capability to do it and that's where the should came in. And I realized like this is like it's wrong of me to not do this because we don't have enough engineers in this country, this country. We don't have enough engineers in the world and I, I can do this. The fact that I'm resisting it is a disservice to the world, and I, therefore I should do this. And uh, it became more of an ethical thing for me to go back and, and finish this. And yeah, it, it sounds like maybe it was a point in time issue, though. Uh, you know, when you were at Edwards Air Force Base or wherever that other place was, in, where it was yep. like kind of dreary, you you could maybe, but like at you, Stephen, at that point in time. I was not Maybe. mature. I, yeah. that's, that's, that's where it comes down to it, maturity. Uh, I was not ready for it at all. So perhaps, perhaps, maybe it's true not everyone can be an engineer, but maybe some, maybe people who, who can't now, it's just a now thing, yep. uh, and maybe sometime later in their life they can be, kind of like, kind of like you. Yeah, like, um, like, like I said, you like playing with Legos, and you like playing Minecraft, and putting things together, and you're probably an engineer you just haven't you haven't got into it yet so you say that it's like kind of like in this eth ethical thing but you also said that you enjoyed it more do you know why that was so it was really interesting uh so yeah i enjoyed solving people's problems but i knew like i was afraid of like the hard math problems i, I think it was more like a fear of failure like that plus i hated doing homework so it was like, <laughs> so it's yeah. like i knew i was gonna hate becoming an engineer and so I had to like steal myself that like this is going to be really really hard, uh, and uh, you know what what happened was once I finally focused, once I had that purpose, and uh, pushed myself to like th when this became like my number one goal in life was just to become an engineer, uh, that removed a lot of the the barriers. You know that that removed like all these things that would distract me from it and it became a lot of fun. Uh, I, I have to say like, like doing DSP and electromagnetics, like getting into those equations and understanding the world better and understanding like how these hard problems are solved and uh, you know, getting back into neural networking is just like, oh my God, like this is, <laughs> this stuff is really cool and really fun. And I never, I, I got kind of mad at myself for, you know, putting myself down in the past to, for, for being that. There was a long time I, I avoided my geekdom and, and was ashamed of my geekdom but it turns out that gosh geeks have more fun like let's let's <laughs> talk a little bit about that you mentioned uh being ashamed of your geekdom you mentioned barriers and you finally yep. sort of got over those can we talk a little bit about what those barriers um were sure. and you might have mentioned them but let's kind of talk about a couple of them real quick what were th what were they and again how did you kind of get over those so like uh, I, I'd say the number one is distractions. Like okay. uh, I liked playing video games. I liked chasing girls. I liked uh, doing anything but doing what I was supposed to do. Okay. Uh, procrastination was king, right? Uh, and so once, so like why is that? Well, video games had priority. Girls had priority. Uh, uh, whereas. Uh, what I was supposed to do, my homework, uh, engineering was, oh, well, that's what you do to play more video games, dude, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> to get more girls. Uh, but the reality was, you know, it is that uh, the you know, engineering in it of itself is rewarding. Like you are, yeah. you're taking care of the world by making it a better place. Uh, 
you know, whether it's one app at a time or, you know, bigger things like automated vehicles or whatnot, uh, it's in and of itself, it's, it's pretty amazing. What do you think, I mean, you, you see a lot of, um, you know, you see a lot of people like at the meetup, for instance, um, what do you think some of the barriers are that a lot of people have when it comes to like thinking about becoming a programmer or giving themselves a shot? I, I would go back to a lot of cases is that fear of failure. Like, uh, I'm afraid I'm not as good as this person next to me, or, you know, I could never get up there and speak and, and lead a session. But the reality is we're all in this together. There's, there's so much I don't know. And it took a while for me to realize that that's okay. Uh, it's okay to not know something. Uh, guess what? Uh, all these, all this complicated stuff that like it sounds, you know, really hard. Neural networking, electromagnetics, uh, differential equations. All of it sounds really hard. But when you learn the things around it, you'll find that all of these topics, when you're working, it is actually really easy. I, I, maybe that's putting it down, but like the reason these professionals work around this stuff is because these are the easy topics. Uh, they, they make it so they build frameworks around it. Like let's say calculus, for example, okay. Cal calculus describes really complex formulas like uh, curves and, and areas under curves and, and acceleration versus speed and whatnot. Like all that's solved in calculus. Like it's, if you were just to think about it with algebra, you would have a really hard time. So they invented calculus. Why? Because it made these equations easy. Uh, so it's, it's like a it's like a nice swift wrapper around a C library or something. Exactly, exactly. And if you get down into C or assembly, you'll find out that there's languages and wrappers around those things. And so it's actually easy if you focus on that. Uh, so you just got to find what you're interested in doing. And it turns out that there are ways of making that easier. And the more you spend time in it, you'll find those those tricks. Uh, so. Okay, so you go back to uh, university, you get your master's degree. I assume you eventually yep. get your master's yep. degree in electrical yep. engineering. Yep. Uh, take us to where you are now. Like, how do you go from electrical engineering to head of mobile? Okay, uh, so <laughs> at the end of uh, at the end of getting my master's degree, I took a throwaway class. Uh, I just needed some credits, and it sounded interesting. Uh, it was iOS development. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the whole time I was uh, getting my master's, I was the I was a TA for C. So I was teaching the, the C labs. And so uh, one of my DSP professors, Dr. DeLeon, was interested in learning iOS development. So he thought, oh, I'm going to make a course for this. And in doing so, I'm going to learn iOS development and everyone else will learn it around with me. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, I was very interested in it because I was like, oh, this is cool. This takes my C and makes it useful. And I've been doing this for a year and a half. That So I, I don't want to lose this, this this skill in C. And, and I hear iOS does this objective C, which is really close. Okay, let's let's do that. And uh, it turns out that like it was at the same time as my neural networking class at the time. So I didn't actually go to the iOS class. It was, oh, no. it was so much of a throwaway class that I took the credit, but I never actually went to the class. But you did the homework? I or? did the homework, I did the projects, I uh, read the book. And, awesome. Uh, the book uh, is one of the best iOS books I've ever read, and I always recommend it to people. The uh, Big Nerd Ranch. Yes, that's it. Big I Nerd get, Ranch. I know you. I yep, know you. Okay, what's it called? It's the Big Nerd Ranch iOS book. 
uh, iOS development book. And okay, that's just, it's just called iOS development? Yeah, and at okay. the time, uh, for that class, we had to go through the Objective-C book. Uh, we went halfway through that, and then the rest of the class, we did the iOS development book. Uh, obviously, don't pick up the Objective-C book now. <laughs> pick up the Swift book. Uh, work through that, and then, and then pick up the iOS development uh, book in, in Swift and do that one. Okay, so you go through this course without actually going and attending the class. You do all the homework, do all yep. the projects, yep. um, and then what? How does that lead to where you are now? So I'm thinking at the end of the semester, all I had left to do was my thesis. I didn't actually have to go to any classes the next semester. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to have a little more free time. Um, I've learned this. I've learned how to make apps. So why not you know, do this over the summer? And so I talked to the professor and I say, hey, uh, Dr. Jalian, do you know anybody who needs apps that I can like write over the summer to make a little extra cash? And he hooks me up with uh, Doniana County. There was some people there that uh, wanted an app for illegal dumping, uh, not, to in, not to encourage illegal dumping, but the opposite, uh, to find illegal dump sites uh, and, uh, and allow the community to report those to their city, you know, to the, the county. Yeah, like tag, like, okay, I found an, an illegal dump site. I tag it. It goes to the city, yep. or the county, and then they go and watch it or clean it up yeah, or whatever. exactly, because they would usually over the summer pay uh, college students uh, you know, a set amount of money for them to basically act as scouts and go to like the, the hot spots and, and see if there's an illegal dump there at that point in time. But they knew that there were places that the community was seeing that these, you know, like bikers and hikers would find, but these students wouldn't find because it's off the beaten path. Okay. And so they wanted to get the community involved. And so they had this project and uh so i i got in and wrote a proposal and made my own company and uh wow. yeah and uh actually won the proposal uh <laughs> but here's the thing it's like i want to do this over the summer i finally got the okay to do the project in i think i started in november oh my gosh <laughs> So I had already finished my thesis at that point. So I didn't make any extra money over the summer where, you know, I was. But now I had this company. I had a company. Awesome. And you I, had a client. I had a client. Uh, and so I, I and, uh, and not only that, like while I was doing this, um, uh, my buddy Taylor and I, uh, he was also in the iOS class. We got together and I had my, my final project that I did for the class. We were like, oh, we can monetize this. We can get this on the App Store. So we formed a different company, uh, an LLC, and that's Byteware Apps. And um, we got our first app on the App Store uh, eventually through that. And that was a, an experience of it itself. Uh, so I had these two companies. I had my sole proprietorship and I had an LLC. And um, uh, let's see here. Got had all this, finished my thesis, but I needed a job because these things were not making enough money for me to live off of. Yeah, indie, indie life can be hard, right? Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. And um, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm putting my resume out there, looking for jobs. Uh, I ended up at China Lake uh, Naval Naval Base in the Central California. Okay. And uh, so I worked there. I was, you know, supposed to work there as an electrical engineer. Did technically work there as an electrical engineer. But <laughs> what was interesting was uh, the uh, gosh, the first job that I ended up doing there was Android development. What? Yeah. So I went. I I found this really awesome lab on base, and uh, it was exploratory development. It was a I had the best time in that lab. 
and uh, they, they had this project that needed an Android developer. And I was like, well, I do iOS in my spare time. I never wanted to stop doing it, so I kept doing it on weekends and nights. And I was like, well, I want to learn Android. That's along the same lines. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. And they let me. <laughs> so guess what I did? I grabbed, awesome. I grabbed the Big Nerd Ranch Android book, Oh! <laughs> taught myself Android, and uh, did that uh, pretty much for the next two years. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you're working at this naval base making Android apps for the Navy? Yep. Yep. Interesting. Like what give us can you give us an example? Is it like an internal app like yeah, inventory were... management or Um Let's see what, what I can say what I can say about it. Uh imagine there's these black boxes. And okay. uh and this this lab uh was a hardware lab, so it was a bunch of electrical engineers literally putting together designs printing out boards, soldering them onto boards, and doing stuff with them. And uh, so we would have these, we'll call them black boxes, um, that needed to have connection to the outside world or, well, within within uh, the Navy. And so we would have uh, Nexus 7s uh, at the time. And uh, I would plug in via USB uh, these black boxes to the Nexus 7 and then build the interfaces to talk to them and uh, display it on the screen, allow you to, to manipulate the black boxes with the, the Android app and uh, all, all that kind of good stuff. And the black box, we can't say exactly what that black no, box I can't, is. No, I can't unfortunately talk about what that does. Okay, but. okay, I see. So, so there's this black box and you're basically programming an interface on the, your, your, the software you're creating is an Android app to interface with the black box. Correct. Interesting, and so the black box has an API. Yes. Idrid, can you say what language the API, like how do you communicate with it? Can you say that or no? Yeah, I could talk a little bit to that because uh, I eventually made my own black box and my own interface and did some programming there as well. Uh, it's all done in C. Um, Is it like hardwired or Bluetooth or something? So you would, it's over, over USB. So, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so it's serial. Um, so I guess the easiest way to think about this is like uh, you would hook up to it and uh, you would get a bunch of ones and zeros out the other end. Um, you would take those ones and zeros and turn them into something that you can read, like hex, hexadecimal. Um, okay. And then each hex word would mean something. It would be a command or information. And uh, so you could send those words back and forth and say, oh. turn yourself on. And then it comes back and says, I turned myself on. And then you'd say, all right, then do this function. Do this function. other thing, yeah. yeah okay. say, so I, you'd have like a list of like the functions that this box could do. Yep. And you would, interesting. And, and when, wow. you get to, yeah, when you get down to that low level too, like sometimes USB is not perfect. Like it fails. And so sometimes you have to send the message over and over again. So you send the message, you don't get a confirmation response back, so you send it again until you get a confirmation. It's like, turn, do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. It's like, oh, I finally did it. Okay, I'm not going to ask you anymore. So. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So you're creating these Android apps, and are you still doing iOS? Or Yep. Yep. I'm doing iOS in my spare time, uh, nights and weekends. Uh, and then how do you end up at Farm? Uh, so, I, what happened was, um, let's think, uh, it was mainly that working with the Navy, uh, you don't get to work with the latest and the greatest. Okay, so you wanted to kind of do some new, you wanted to do some new stuff, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Like, okay. Uh, you so, know, did, you go, did you go, like, 
from the Navy to event farm or did you yes. work? Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So okay. yeah, it's just like, I, I, especially like I really want to do iOS development and like I, that's what I did for fun. Uh, it was, it was my hobby and, and I, here I was doing Android at work and it was, it was fun too. I, I thoroughly enjoyed my job and, and, and definitely enjoyed my team there. But, uh, you know, with the limitations of what we were given, like a lot of times the computer I was working on didn't have internet connection. And uh, for those of you out there that, uh, <laughs> that uh, have done uh, and used Android Studio, uh, I, want, I, I challenge you to get a computer that doesn't have internet connection and try to use Android Studio. It's, wow. It is insane how much oh. they, they assume you have internet. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Google, you know, they love the internet and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, yes. Okay, so how long were you doing the Navy thing? I did that for a little over two years. Wow, wow, wow. So when, so when you got hired at, at Event Farm, I think we kind of mentioned this already, like they hired you as the Android guy? Uh, the iOS guy. Oh, the iOS guy. So it's okay, funny, like had- it, even though like my, my professional experience was Android, they, it, uh, you know, by, by side tasks, like, and I, I probably did iOS as much as I did Android. That's what they hired me for was. Nice. Okay. Then uh, the, then the Android guy kind of dropped out or whatever. And then yep. now you're doing both. Yep. Wow. 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 <laughs> that story long, is so cool. <laughs> it's a long meandering story, but no, that's, it's great. Yeah. It's a really, really cool story, man. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so what I want to do now, do, is there anything else you kind of like you wanted to mention on that? Did you leave anything out? I mean, we talked about a lot, but like. I'm sure there's holes in the story, but that's, I mean, that's okay. why we got multiple that, episodes for this, right? So hey, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll come back some other time. Yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about um, Swift specifically now, but before we do, I want to take a quick break to, um, to say this, and, and I'm going to start most likely saying this almost every episode. It is that if you are out there listening right now, somewhere, anywhere in the world, reach out to me or anyone really at Swift Coders, um, Steven, anybody, and let us know if you're interested in starting a meetup in your local uh, town. Uh, I don't know. Like I don't even know. Do people really even want to do this? I, I don't know. I have this desire and, and, and us on the team we have this desire to like help people start these meetups around the world. Maybe, maybe there really isn't a, a desire or a need out there, but for some reason I have this kind of this draw towards that. Um, Matt Dios Dios started one in Boston called Learn Swift um, Boston. Um, I remember a while ago somebody wanted me to help them start one in Qatar, and then nothing. It didn't really work out for some reason. I'm not sure why. If you're out there, if you're listening, I'm still willing and able to help you. And uh, recently, I was talking to somebody in Sacramento. We were talking about maybe creating one. And the reason uh, we wanted to help you guys do this is because we know the power of forming these local communities. We know that it can really help. Um, We have multiple people at our meetup who are now, who've who've gone to the meetup, who have learned, used the meetup to to learn, to teach, and who now have jobs. And the meetup was a really big part of that. Um, It it was for me, Raghav, for instance, Stephen mentioned, uh, shout out to Alistair Cooper, who's one of our session leaders. He recently got hired. Um, and, and so that's just one of the benefits. And so if you're out there and you are thinking about starting a meetup and you need help, like we'll help you. Um, I, I have like the ability to just, uh, I'm pretty sure I have the ability to just like add your meetup to my membership. So you don't even need to pay for it. 
Um, yeah, so just reach out to me or any of us on, on Twitter or, or whatever. Okay, so do you have anything to add to that, Stephen? I mean, we're going to talk about it a lot, but that specifically? I, I can speak to you know, leading the meetup. Uh, I have learned so much since I uh, you know, pushed push for, for doing this uh, and you know, in, in leading my own meetup. Um, I can't tell you, like, every single time I get up there and talk, like, sometimes I think, like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. But then somebody asks me a question, and either I know more than I thought I did, and so that's me teaching myself confidence, or uh, they teach me something that I didn't even know was possible or I never heard of. And it's just, it's it's really open my eyes. I've learned a ton since, uh, in you know, since we, we started doing this. Yeah, awesome. All right, so yeah, if you're out there, do not hesitate. Uh, hit us up, and you know we'll help out. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to part one of the Swift Coders podcast. Stay tuned next week for part two. As always, feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or you just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time, go swiftly, my friends.